Hey, everybody. We're back with another commission podcast. This one from Stephen from Florida. Uh, and he commissioned The Exorcist 1973 version uh, directed by William Friedkin or maybe Friedkin. Uh, it was written by William Peter Blatty from a novel that uh, he wrote called The Exorcist, which itself <laughs> was inspired by a real-life 1945 exorcism of a Roland Doe mm. uh, who lived in Maryland um, and served as the basis, the factual quote-unquote basis of this film. It stars Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Max von Sydow. Uh, Sidow? Sidow? I'd say Sidow, but... I don't know how to say it. Uh, and Jason Miller. Uh, I have never seen... So, first of all, I before we get to the movie, uh, apologies to Steven, because he originally commissioned Home Alone. Then we jacked that in favor of using it for our Christmas celebration uh, for 2017. Uh, so this is a makeup podcast. He gave us very long and thoughtful feedback on uh, Home Alone. And uh, we unfortunately didn't use any of that. We could have killed two birds with one stone, man. We could have could have could have used his feedback in the Home Alone pod and and pocketed a, <laughs> a ni- nice tidy three hundred dollar windfall. But uh, somehow this seems better. <laughs> we, we 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 done fucked up. Uh, but we got we got the Exorcist under a belt. I've never seen this film before. Uh, have you seen this movie? Yeah, yeah. I, at least once that I can remember. Maybe a couple of times. Okay. Not sure. I. So going into my this thing, I was expecting a film that had aged poorly, <laughs> that wasn't uh-huh. very scary, that was going to be not really hold a candle to anything that I've seen, like The Conjuring, mm-hmm. uh, any modern scary movie. And instead, I found that this is a really, really good movie mm-hmm. that happens to also be a horror film. Sure. And honestly, the thing that worked the least about it is like the last third act. I felt like all of the suspense and creepiness was really, really effective. And then when it just got to the all out demonic onslaught of peas and swirling heads and stuff that I've seen right parodied. <laughs> That's kind of why I say I'm not sure how many times I've seen this. Right. Because it's such like an iconic movie. Yeah. And those scenes have been bandied about so much. Um, that like it it started, but but still, my esteem for the film, I I walked away being very surprised at how well this thing holds up. Yeah. Um, not so much in like because I found some of the particulars of the plot hard to follow. Like uh, this boxing priest, um, and his travails and the the background between the the Max von Sydow's character and Ellen Burstyn as the act. There's like a lot of this really background information that I thought was going to like maybe help me more identify the characters or make the third act work better and I, I I don't know in fact I think it was just confu- I I was largely confused I guess I guess you're I maybe the stuff with his mom the one priest mom yeah. works a little bit uh, yeah yeah I think that's probably the most relevant of of the back um backgrounds that you get for these characters cuz right. um looking at like Marin, Father Marin, uh, Max von Sydow's character. Uh, I, I had a hard time connecting his like travails, or I guess his stuff that happens in Iraq with the stuff that happens in Washington or wherever the hell they are. Um, other than just the fact that these are two, it's linking it through the exorcism kind of stuff, like yeah. this evil, this sense of evil. Right. And it's interesting because I think the whole movie kind of. The evil permeates that movie, and you can see it in, like, the—I think that um, Demi's mom dies because of the evil. Like, it—she's it, talked about it as, like, having fits and screaming, and there's, there's like, Ouija boards. And I, I'm—it's all, like, very yeah. dubiously connected through the concept of an evil force. Uh-huh. And, and there seems to be, like, a rash of hauntings throughout most of the world, if not— Right. Um, if not the entire world. Yeah, no, and there's I don't know, there's that the, the timeline of Demi's, I guess the, the that priest really confused me because he shows up to his mom, mm-hmm. uh, he helps her bandage her leg, then he's talking about uh, he shows up and she's in a institution for like it looks like for the insane, mm-hmm. and then she's dead, and everything like seemed like it happened way fast. Like this movie might have comp- yeah. like like taken two years in the life of everyone involved, but. Uh huh. Wasn't clear to me the passage of time, but 
it, and like I said, it didn't detr- distract me from the film. It's just more like questions I had that might be resolved in a second watch. Um, yeah. Should we just start talking about the movie or should we get into uh, Steven's feedback? I'll see what he's got to say. So uh, think for, about it. <laughs> first of all, he recommended the podcast Inside the Exorcist by Wondery, uh, who he, he says it's about three and a half hours long and features all kinds of extended information hmm. that he personally didn't know. But he wanted to talk about it because it shed light on something he had wondered about since the first time he saw the movie, which is the general creepiness. There's mm-hmm. something about this movie that gives you the feeling that everything is off. I know that in reality, it's a collection of techniques used by several talented filmmakers, yeah. such as dissonance, off-center angles, and things like that. But there's more to it. This movie makes you feel things that few others can. I know there's a lot of interesting information about the problems during production of the film and the origin of its story out there somewhere. I haven't done a deep dive into it, but then again, why would I? It's literally what I'm paying you for. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's right. I, I actually noticed that in the opening scenes, like where yeah. he finds this little um, figurine mm-hmm. and he goes and he sees a larger statue of it. And mm-hmm. there's nothing particularly ominous about the figurine or the statue in and of itself. Except for but, the massive penis. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the meat spin it's Some, doing. Somebody is... coming at me with that, I would be, I would find it very ominous indeed. <laughs> right, but the, the effects that they're, the, the way they're getting that ominous effect is through like, uh, the the sound cues like the wind yeah. and the the close zoom ins and yeah. the music and they're using all the other things they don't actually use the narrative to tell you that this thing is scary they use the the techniques of cinematography which sure. always makes for a better movie in my and, opinion and they also do a lot of stuff that is i think interesting from like they tried some things that I, I think you would be you'd call subliminal. Like there's flashes of uh-huh. disturbing things and flashes of the demon's face. I would argue they're not truly subliminal because yeah. subliminal is something that lasts so so short that you are not even fully aware of it. Which where I was fully aware of, but it does. It's it's something you don't see every day, and it does make you feel unsettled. Like what the hell was that? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of like these techniques that they're really trying to uh, to use to make you feel uncomfortable, and then. I I mean, I think this part of this is like, I guess, the leftover Judeo-Christian um, proclivities of me. Um, but I find that kind of demon possession and the supernatural horror is some of the most creepy stuff. Um, oh, yeah, I agree. But not really for any Christian-based reasons. Really? It's more along the lines of the powerlessness that mm. you that you would be subjected to. Right. Um, because something otherworldly like that, that can take over your body and move objects. Um, right. And, and, and has that much, that much power. Um, and, and you have no way to fight it. Yeah. I think that's the, the scary part of it. You know, you can fight a fucking tiger. Right. You can understand a tiger, but how do you understand the motivations and the power of a demon? Right. right. And what are, how do you quantify those powers? Yeah. You know, and, uh, so I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, as far as his, his talk about the the problems endured of the film, um, I did you know I'm not, I'm a I'm an, I'm a skeptic, uh, and I looked at this because I'm like, huh, I wonder if that would be because you know I can dismiss most things as just coincidence, but I, I did a lot of uh, the looking into this, and it seems like there's a lot. The, the the thing to note is that the filming of this took like over a year. And so when you hear the like two people died during the filming of Exorcist, they don't literally mean <laughs> they were in like like a one of the directors of photography died and so, like a stunt coordinator of natural causes outside the filming. But if you take several hundred people and take a whole slice of their life, statistics alone would say that certain people would die. And it does seem right. like there was some careless uh, stunt coordination, especially with the stars, because like um when there's that scene where Ellen Burstyn is like jumps on her daughter's bed to try to keep it from galloping around the bedroom, uh, I guess when the the stunt technician yanked her her rope to throw her off, she actually legitimately hurt her back, hmm. and something yeah. that I guess she still struggles with. And I think the same thing happened to Linda Blair. Like some of the violent stunts they were doing <laughs> actually yeah. injured their joints and their spine. Um, How many people died during the making of Boyhood? Richard Linklater's <laughs> Boyhood. <laughs> Uh, probably millions. <laughs> yeah. Millions yeah. of people died. Um, but that, it's like one of those things like, you know, the average Hollywood shoot only lasts, you know, six to eight weeks. So like you just mm-hmm. make that last six to 12 times longer. And, yeah. you know, you're statistically you're going to have a bunch of outliers like that. 
also, I did some research into the original possession that this uh, was based on with um, uh, the exorcism of Roland Doe. And, you know, it does seem like that all of these possessions or these exorcisms, uh, I, I actually thought that the movie depi- depicted it very well that – like you show a Catholic priest this person, and they're like, "Oh my God, they're they're possessed by demons." You show a trained clinical psychologist, and they'll be like, "Well, this is a person who is acting out or acting crazy or suffering from a delusion." And yeah. there's none of the things that this this kid did would be outside the abilities of the average 14 year old. In fact, there's some, and the other thing is like a lot of the stuff that people like the the more sensational things that made into the movie were things that people said that they heard that they weren't mm-hmm. from eyewitness accounts. And I guess there's an eyewitness account that claimed he saw the boy scratching like words like I guess hell into his chest with his fingernail. Mm-hmm. And mysteriously, when they restrained the boy, those those words on the body stopped appearing. Right. Huh. Um, but it's much, you know, this thing, this thing swept America. Like my mom, uh, who, this is something Steven wants us to talk about. My mom, a Jehovah's witness, uh, utterly convinced that this movie is essentially a documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she thinks that it's a fictionalized version of something that really happened. And if you play at the Ouija board, you can really get demonized. <laughs> and once you do, then you better fucking call him, call him the priest and invoke the name of God because that's the only way you're going to get well. Um, but yeah, so we'll probably talk more about that later. Um, I did wonder watching this movie. Um, so I do like how the psychiatrists describe uh, the process of an exorcism and the value of an exorcism. Mm-hmm. Essentially, like this person thinks that an exorcism will work on them and therefore it does work on them, but not in a demonic or spirit way. It just simply uh, works in a psychiatric way. Right. You think Uh, you're demonized and someone comes in and says, yep, you're demonized. And now I want to cast it out in the name of the, the father, the son and the Holy ghost. That's like placebo. Mm -hmm. Like, so yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I want to finish up Steven's feedback here. But I, I was also wondering, like, with the Ouija stuff, I is this the movie that kind of popularized that notion? I think it's it's the movie in the book itself because the book, okay. like, explicitly makes it seem like, you know, this this boy had an aunt who was, de- you know, de- delving into spiritism and, like, you know, dabbling in clairvoying and palm reading and shit like that, and she introduced him to an Ouija board and then... You know, weird shit started happening. Read the wrinkles and the creases in somebody's shoes. Right. And, you know, it's like, look, when a when a game explicitly is about channeling unseen Mm -hmm. spirits to get some kind of uncanny knowledge, you're probably going to get a lot of people making these casual connections between that and like any kind of demonism they see in their own life. Right. Um, It does seem like I mean, I don't know. It's. It's so weird because I've been on both sides. I've been on I've been on the side of the fundamentalist where like I genuinely believed and was terrified. Like if if one of my friends had ever gotten an Ouija board out and like put it on a kitchen table and be like, tonight for game night, we will delve into the secrets of the unknown. I probably would have fucking actually had a panic attack (laughs) because it was it would it'd be scary. It'd be scary shit. Uh, and I'm also on the other side where I'm like, it's just a fucking board game that people are moving around with their fingers. And, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a situation where everyone's trying to either joke or scare or creep each other out, you know, and I can hold both of those viewpoints inside my head simultaneously <laughs> with my experience and make them seem real. It's 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 kind of crazy. Hmm. Uh, he mentions, uh, Stephen does, I grew up Catholic, and even though I don't practice the faith anymore, the overwhelming threat to humanity that's out there, and the church is seemingly exclusive power to defeat, it was probably the scariest part of the movie to me. You see that the power of the prayers are working, but it might take a very long time. I wonder just how important the young priest leaving the room was. It seems like being alone with Max von Sido was the opportunity the demon needed in order to strike. With Von Sido out of the picture, the young priest loses hope and sacrifices himself, but that demon was fucking with him the whole time, right? Could she just have killed everyone from the moment she gets loose? Would they have been successful? The young priest stayed in the room and they continued with the exorcism. Did the priest in the end win? Uh, there's a couple other questions he has for the end of the podcast, but I thought that would be... I don't know. That might be an interesting place to, to start, because what... I mean, again, I always find it very hard to inhabit the mind of Jim 
Like, when you were growing up, did you just think everyone was crazy when they were talking about, like, demons possessing through I Ouija mean, board? Did you yeah, ever— Yeah, in the same way that I thought, like, this personal relationship with God was crazy. Like, I just don't believe any of that shit exists. But did, did it happen at such a young age that you that you never felt like— Well, I'd never seen any evidence terror? of it. <laughs> no, I'd never seen any huh. evidence of it. So, like— if I were maybe if I had some different experiences that I misinterpreted, like if you were or, eight years old and you had a, like a nightmare right. when you wake up and you're yeah. paralyzed and there's dark shapes over I you, I might buy that shit hook, line, and sinker. I don't know. Right. I just that wasn't my experience, so I never bought into any of that stuff. Hmm. It's fun to watch though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because I thought about having my sister because I think she's seen this movie. She doesn't mm-hmm. watch scary movies. She's a lot like I was seven years ago and I kind of thought about and I, I but I know I think I'm pretty sure she saw this movie and she talked about how terrifying she found it and I kind of wanted to interview her about that experience but our schedules didn't just didn't line up but I mean yeah I can't like I feel like I'm a little bit of a carnival sideshow when I talk about this stuff because it's like there's this pleasure of hearing Aaron talk about how scared he was about stuff that doesn't isn't real yeah but I mean I, I guess that's what I mean I don't know. Like, if you either grew up in a world of fundamentalism, you didn't. And, you know, where this stuff is actually treated as real. Like, I've heard stories of, like, there's stuff in the Jehovah's Witnesses yearbook that they publish each year about, you know, usually it's shit that went down in fucking weird places in Africa. But, like, people getting possessed by demons and the elders having to come and cast their name out in the name of God and all this other stuff. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, It's actually a part of your fabric of the way you go through life, that there is this, there's this hidden battle that's taking place over everyone's hearts and minds. Um, his questions about the demon and like, could the demon just have killed everyone from the moment they set in the room or were they just toying with them or that? Those are good yeah, questions. The, and I, I actually have a fundamentalist answer to them, but I want to see what you thought first. Okay. So the, the question is raised in the movie, right? Um, father, mm-hmm. Not Marin. Um, yeah, D- not Marin. That's his name. Not Marin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Demi Damien. I don't even know his last name. Karis. Car- yeah, Karis. Car- it is Karis. Something like that. Um, he he asked the demon, like, why don't you just get rid of those straps? You uh-huh. know, like because Linda Blair Regan Reagan. Yeah, is tied down, and he says, "Why don't you just get rid of the straps?" And Reagan responds by saying, "That would be a vulgar display of power, right. or, or something." Or all and, in due time. Yeah, and I, I don't quite understand that. Here's what I think is going on. Yeah, and and this is my, this is what connects the film in my mind. It it all comes down to Father Marin and the mm-hmm. battle that he has had with this demon before. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And maybe that's why the beginning scenes should be so significant in that he recognizes the demon. Mm. He recognizes the evil. And so when it shows back up in Regan, Regan, um, in my mind, the goal of that demon is to kill Father Marin, finally. Because it beat Father Marin beat it last time. And it almost killed him. Uh, but this time it's back. And I think that has to do with, like, why when Damien leaves the room, it's able to kill Father Marin because b- between the two of them, they were stronger than just Father Marin alone. Father mm-hmm. Marin is older now. Um, I-, I feel like that's kind of the main thrust of the demon's purpose in this right. movie. Right. There's also, like, from my understanding, like, if I could explain this like a fundamentalist Christian would, like, mm-hmm. the idea that there's these demons on Earth and they're kind of on the lamb from Cosmic Justice Mm-hmm. So they're essentially wanting to kind of lay low, and but they also have urges that they have to satisfy, like you know, like these demonic, perverted, um, uh, what, what I just call them, like compulsions, kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. and so they they find these people to torment and terrify, but they know not to take it too far because then the the old man upstairs will get involved and their asses get inevitably kicked because uh-huh. no one believes that any demonic power is more powerful than the power of Christ, for example, that can right. compel one. Um, but it's all, all always a matter of like, I mean, like look in the Bible, there's a case of the Legion demon, which essentially was given lip to the Jesus Christ on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's varying levels of power and whatnot. And, you know, the other thing is, I guess this is a whole franchise. Uh, oh, built yeah. around this demon Pazuzu, which is based on a real life, heavily quotes around <laughs> all that Babylonian, uh, Mesopotamian wind god. Um, 
who is seen as kind of like an like an evil spirit by these cultures. That explains a lot about the sound design at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like. Um, you know, that's the, the way to understand, like, because I, I, when I first saw this movie, I'm like, this is like fucking Indiana Jones. Why am I spending yeah. 15 minutes in the Iraqi <laughs> desert doing all this excavation? And then, oh, here's the demonic statues and all that. Um, I think that's just to introduce us, as you said, to show us that, that Marin has familiarity with these things. Mm-hmm. It's in the same way that, like, when Indiana Jones uh, 3 opens up with him going after the cross of Coronado. Right. It doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the movie except to show his family's lifelong obsession with, you know, uh, artifacts that tied to the Christ and Christianity leading up to the Holy Grail and its importance. Mm-hmm. It didn't really have anything to do with, 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 anything, with anything else. So I feel like those scenes just kind of tie – because otherwise Marin would just come in – Kind of like a uh, uh, the, who's the guy from Dracula, uh, Professor Von Bullshit. <laughs> yep, that's him. I do. But you, which Dracula? Like, there's they're so all many... all the Dracula has a Professor Von something or other, Von Broomstick or Von uh, Von Helsing. Van, Van, Van Helsing. Helsing. Yeah. Okay. He would just come in, and his pers- his point is to just come in here and drop the dime on vampiric lore, and like mm-hmm. essentially be living expository. This allows you to kind of more organically and more filmatically, cinematically appreciate his connection to the demon mm-hmm. rather than just like, hey, I know this crusty old fuck who's d- done this shit before. Let's call him in and he's going to, you know, do a PowerPoint presentation on Pazuzu and we're going to sh- see how George Clooney drops the elevator shaft here and sprinkles the holy water and then we rip off the Bellagio. It's. Yeah. I feel like it's it's just like they're showing rather than telling you. But it does make like a little bit of a confusing movie going experience. Yeah, one that you have to pay close attention to, I think. Um and, and yeah. also give it a little bit of thought instead of have it fed to you, which which is kind of this movie in a nutshell. A lot of it is like like you were talking about the the timeline with um Demi's mom. Right. So much of that is just not explained. Like one minute she's in the hospital, the next right. minute she's dead. Oh, okay, I get it. Time has passed here. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. not seeing this in completely real time. Uh, that kind of stuff. The other thing he uh, Stephen picks up on is he was confused about like the associations with this this uh, evil spirit statue. And there's like a little tiny totem that mm-hmm. we see Father Marin handle, but then later uh, the the detective sees it outside of. Uh, Reagan's house and I think that's supposed to suggest that this is another kind of fundamentalist um, appreciation that like demons can inhabit and possess or like imbue a particular object with some sort of evil power yeah that like you know this is like is this something you saw always joke about like uh, Jehovah's Witnesses scared to death of garage sales oh yep because what if you're buying this mm. polo shirt and this person was a <laughs> devil worshiper right. and like you're going to wear this polo shirt and suddenly your eyes turn green and start throwing up pea soup like that's that's like a no joke concern they had the like uh-huh. like you can't you can't you you're you're not you're not safe with anything so the idea of and it's like also like you know if you've seen the Brady Bunch episode or Greg ba- ba- uh Brady gets the satanic hawaiian fucking surf god and then all shit like that's that's essentially what jehovah's witnesses actually believe they do so like it might be confusing to you but i think you're supposed to appreciate that this is the demon using this totem to kind of subtly insinuate himself into this family's life and maybe as a way i'd have to watch the movie a couple more times but maybe as a way to rekindle his uh uh, you know hostilities with marin because Mm -hmm. Wasn't it the case that Marin had just transferred back to this city? Uh, like, yeah, I, I thought they made they, a point. They said something about three or four months ago he was in Iraq, but he's been back. Now. Not just in the country, but I think in the same city. So yeah. the fact that the demon would would manipulate things to get this thing into this home, it seems like it's all part of his of its mass, its unfathomable evil master plan. Yeah, and I really can't tell to the point of who wins at the end. Um, it's tough to say because the demon successfully kills Father Marin, who I think he had a beef with. Right. Or it had a beef with. Um, it also... I, I, it's tough for me to tell whether Damien jumped out of that window of his own volition to protect Reagan, or the demon pushed him out. I think the demon pushed him out and therefore won that battle huh. because it killed whatever film director or whatever 
uh, in the exact same way. Right. It shoved that film director out the window. So the film director wasn't trying to save sure. Reagan by jumping out the window when it pulled the demon into him. Right. No, there is, I think, to me, how I interpret it, and again, I've only seen this movie once, but it looked like that the demon overcame Karis, wanted to turn his attentions to Reagan. Karis momentarily wrestled and got the upper hand and then used mm-hmm. that moment of lucidity to throw himself out the window. But the problem is it matches up with the director. You're death. right, and also it also parallels. I told I talked about this the biblical story of Legion. Uh, this uh, like like several demons who had taken over this this particular poor man. Yeah, and when Jesus threw him out, they begged for him to let allow them to possess a herd of swine that was nearby, rather than just being driven out to wherever demons go when they're not actively tormenting the living and jesus allowed that and then they took the herd of swine and ran it over a cliff because again they just love (laughs) tormenting and fucking and killing the things that are alive apparently yeah so i felt like that there's a lot you you could be right because there that's that's a very overt similarity that you know a demon immediately takes possession of something and then causes it to, to die but I mean, obviously, there's there's many more exorcists, and it's like you know this this uh, this series against the demon Pazuzu. So ultimately, I don't think it 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 got defeated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they've remade this movie. They've made sequels. They've made prequels. Have you seen any uh, of that stuff? Yeah. How, are they? I, I, I want to say one of them is called like the Right. Because I would that, say that, that right? they are all probably shitty, but then again, I thought Exorcist, like, I could believe that, like, if there's an Exorcist 2, that it's possibly as good as Godfather 2. Mm, no. Um, okay. The, the remake that I saw was nowhere near as good. Okay. As this one. But it's like, it's one of the things, like, you know, like, I don't know when sequels just started to, like, axiomatically suck, but they not necessarily. They all, all, always do that. That's true. Especially because, again, I was blown away by uh, what a successful movie this was. Yeah. Um, I, and I can't. I can't imagine what audiences in 1973 would have thought seeing this movie. It oh, has to right. be – I mean, even to this day, it's some of the most fucked up stuff I've ever seen. Yeah, with, and so a lot of it still holds up. Absolutely. I mean, the the stuff with Reagan and the cross and just like – Oh, God. It, I, I, I don't even necessarily want to describe it here. It's so vulgar. But like in Let 19- Jesus fuck you. <laughs> in 1973. Right. You're just here to see him. Holy a movie. Yeah, shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting to see Roger Ebert when I was reading his review, because I always do, uh, uh-huh. who I see as kind of like a guy who's not necessarily shy from sensational stuff. He was openly questioning why this movie wasn't rated X. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah that, that stuff was shocking to society's sensibilities. Uh-huh. Um, and it's not like that, oh, it's not like we've we've even, like, tread those, that like, like that's still shocking. Because mm-hmm. it's not like, oh, we're back to the bl- thrusting the bloody crucifix <laughs> right. into the little girl's vagina trope. Oh, how many times have we seen this? Like... It was out there, and it still kind of is out there. It is, yeah. And, Even though we have movies like Saw and right, Hostel, right? Like right. that torture porn stuff. Right. This is so much more vulgar. Right, and, and there's no buildup. You just come in like yeah. you, the last time we saw Reagan, she was like, you know, troubled. Mm-hmm. But then we see her, and she's got the demonic effect, and she's doing this to her body, and it's, 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 it's fucking crazy. Um, yeah. But, you know, I thought... Equally as unnerving as some of the medical procedures that they went through. Mm, yeah. Like that thing where they took the the large gauge needle and put it into her jugular and uh-huh. they pull it out and just start arterially spurting out while she's conscious and they're feeding this wire into her brain. Like, I think the movie is trying to show that, you know, these procedures are, are, are traumatic. Um, mm. Like the medical cure for this kind of madness is not necessarily pretty. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. And the you know obviously the exorcism is a uh, is an intense process too. But I thought I, that's the thing is I also thought that the movie played pretty pretty noncommittal about what was going on until uh, Father Marin showed up, and then it pretty much put its thumb on the scale of yes, this is an actual demonic possession. Um, but I kind of wondered, like I was expecting to have a conversation where we're like, did this actually mm-hmm. happen or not? But when she started levitating six feet off the bed and her head made a full 360, <laughs> right. like that, that kind of took things up. Because, like, I thought it was so interesting. You mentioned the thing where Father Karras is like, well, why don't you let yourself out of the bonds? He also tested her about, like, what water. was. 
And yeah. also, what was my mother's maiden name? Oh, right. The demon yeah. should know that. It didn't it, say anything, though. Right. But, like, it seemed like he was trying to make specific tests of and and, and he had come to a certain conclusion. And I kind of thought that was <laughs> – I respected that for the, the movie for doing that because, to me, that's a fairly rational look at what this might be. Oh, absolutely. I think there's th- – that's one of the major tensions is that rationality versus the, I guess, supernatural, um, the spiritual here. And I – like for me, the moment where the the movie kind of put its foot down and said this is supernatural is when the bed was shaking violently with both Regan and her mother in it, Reagan mm-hmm. and her mother in it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that to me, like a kid can't do that. Hmm. Like a kid cannot make a bed shake violently, um, come off of all of its feet at the same time, like stuff like that. So to me, like her quest to find a psychiatric solution or a medical solution. Um, they were all for nothing, in, in my opinion. Because I, I knew... I mean, obviously, a movie called The Exorcist, you kind of know where it's headed to begin with. Right. Um, but, but yeah, th- that was a moment for me. I thought Ellen Burstyn did a really good job of portraying a woman at her wit's end. And I always think that's something that James Wan does really well, too. He, he, he casts these women in this unenviable position of having these just true... Like, like all these people inhabit a rational you know, post-enlightenment world where this shit just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And they are dutifully going and they're like, you know, calling the police and they're getting the mental health people engaged and they're taking them to doctors and there's just no answers. There's no answers, no answers. Yeah. Um, I thought that was one of the key things to make the, to make the, the movie work. Um, I really particularly like, there's a lot of things they do where, um, they ranch, ratchet up the tension, but there's no real payoff, like her going up into the attic to investigate the... I mean, they mm-hmm. film that like it's going to be uh, a hammer a hammer drop on you, yeah. and absolutely nothing comes of it. Like, they do that a couple times where they tease that this is going to be the time where we show you the shark and Jaws, and then the John Williams theme just fades down to nothing and, and, and nothing happens, and that's that's... Super effective to build the tension. In fact, I think that's why I don't like the third act so much because once the demon is out there in all of its glory mm-hmm. and it's it's impaled itself on a crucifix and uh, spit pea soup on people, there's really not much. There's not many more tricks it's got up its sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I guess one of the big plot points for Damien also is that he's losing his faith um, throughout this film. And that may be why he's so skeptical, mm-hmm. I suppose. Like, he's supposed to be skeptical of, right. of needing the exorcism here. But I feel like he's more skeptical than he might have been uh, if he hadn't been losing his faith at the time. Plus, he's a Jesuit, which is the kind of, like, more scholarly, science-based arm of the church in the first place. So, right. They're like, the ones who sent him to become a psychiatrist right. to get the training. Right. Right. Um, and by the end of it, I would have to say that he has most certainly regained his faith. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. I, I mean, at the very least, the things that he's seen. Right before have made he died. Him... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's what's, that's when we're talking about the heaven game. That's that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the guy on his, on his deathbed, if you want to call it that, the sidewalk where he's smashed <laughs> to pieces. Yeah. He gets the guy his comes last up rights. and gets a confession. Yeah. I guess that he actually survives in the sequel. It's like a Jeff Goldblum kind of thing. Like you think he's dead oh, in Jurassic shit. Park, but it turns out he uh, he survived. It was huh. all just rumors that he didn't. Um, I say I've seen the prequel and a remake. Right. I don't know that I've seen a sequel. Hmm. Is it just called The Exorcist Two? Beats the fuck out of me, man. Because there's like 17 of these movies. I'm not even joking. There's yeah. a ton. If you want to talk like anything that's got anything that's got the demon Pazuzu in it, it is like a lot of movies and books. Hmm. Um, what was the point? Of the guy accusing the Austrian fellow of being a Nazi, I just to was it just another kind maybe of like to something? Add some humor. I I didn't get it. I didn't find it that funny. The guy was both ridiculous and lewd, and I don't know. Right. Um, I was it like was it supposed to show that like the demon is affecting other people because the build up to that party was Reagan coming down and pissing on the floor and saying to the director, "You're going to die." Which he did. So, oh, like, is that who she was talking to? I thought she was talking to the astronaut. Because there's an astronaut in the room. Oh, shit. Did he die, too? I don't know. I thought it was the director 
and she says, you're going to die up there. And then he later got pushed out of her bedroom window. I thought. So there's a conversation before that that Burke, the, the director guy, is having with See, I, got, I also dude. confused who the hell Burke was and, like, whether okay. her, him and Burston were actually having an affair. And, like, there's a lot of, like, that I still not sure I got wrapped up, honestly. Well, there's a conversation about Mars, like, being the first missionary on Mars or something. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so I think I think that guy is an astronaut. Okay. And she was talking to him, but I'm not certain of that. Um, the performance of Linda Blair in this is pretty amazing. Oh, it's too. incredible! Like yeah. she now, I I thought I was laboring on the under the illusion that she did like this was a mechanically or electronically reprocessed version of her own voice, but they hired a famous voice actress. Yeah. To do all these these intense takes and demonic takes. And she did like I don't know if you read any of this stuff, but she did create like she had been, she was an alcoholic and been like 10 years sober. And she started chain smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey to get like this particularly tortured. Like she like gave up sobriety to record these lines and like sounds like she's a bad actor. <laughs> right, she's actually got. It's like Peter O'Toole. It's like Peter O'Toole. It's like try acting sometime, my boy. It's it's much easier. <laughs> right. Um. I yeah, but she went through all this stuff, and also she like didn't want to be credited in the movie because she wanted it to be. She wanted the verisimilitude of the performance to carry the day, and people to think it's a little girl, which yeah. mission objective. But then once the movie came out, it was so critically acclaimed. She had a change of heart, and there was this big lawsuit about adding her credit back to the film, and. I don't know, but it was, um, I guess I'm slightly, very slightly less impressed by her performance now that I know all that vocal work was like, like done post fact, but just the physicality of the performance. Yeah. And how, I mean, I've seen like as a child, how difficult it must be to just go to these kind of like, like, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, okay, I'm going to sit there with a 12 year old. It's like, okay, honey. (laughs) <laughs> this is a crucifix, and uh-huh. you might be wondering why it's covered in prop blood. Well, here's what I need you to act like you're doing. Like, that's pretty fucking intense. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I don't quite know how to feel about asking a young girl to do that sort of stuff. Or right. to, to be I, as involved, as, however involved as she was. I because always... I, I imagine they did, like, insert shots to actually, no pun intended, to actually show that kind of stuff, but uh-huh. she had to get like a general feeling of the scene, right? Like, it, otherwise you don't get the correct performances and the shots you need. So, yeah, it's it seems rough on her, but yes, yeah, she does a tremendous job. Yeah, I always I always worry when I see little kids that are very effectively at be like at being terrorized in films, and I'm thinking uh-huh. like the cast of Stranger Things. I'm thinking of either the cast of Conjuring One or Two. Uh, the insidious, like all these, like really effective horror films. Haley Joe Osment from The Sixth Sense, and it's like, I, I don't like if you're ten to twelve, if you're eight to twelve years old, and you're this good acting, haunted. Like, is everything okay at home? Like, like how are you able to tap in? <laughs> I and mean, I get it, it's acting, right? Right. And it's direction, and it's all that stuff. But it's yeah, I always feel a little bad. Um, I wish. I wish there was outtakes like like every horror movie in my mind should have outtakes where they show the kids laughing and having fun on set just so I know that they knew it wasn't real and they're not like going to blow their brains out after after this the, the film is done. Yeah. But they don't they don't do that for me. They don't there's 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 no interest in releasing the tension during the credit sequence I found. I need, I need like uh No. The music doesn't help either. No, they want it they want it to sit there and 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 have it affect you and and uh uh, like follow you home, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, the other question that I'm not quite sure about: there's a scene where I believe it's the Virgin Mary statue has been vandalized, where it's got a big old cock and horn titties. Yeah, yeah. Uh are we? Did the demon just do that, like as a physical manifestation? Did he possess Reagan to go down to the local church and do it? Like, there's a lot of things there that I'm not quite sure how things how how things got connected there. Yeah, I'm not either, and that's kind of why I feel there's a general haunting happening throughout the city. Because uh, it seems like a lot of people have been affected by it. I Like I said, I think Damien's mom was affected by it. She's not related directly now, to... Why do you think she's... Because I, I, I thought... Because of the episode she had, the screaming fit where she injured her leg and was sent to the hospital. Like, oh. I think I think that was the demon fucking with her, but I don't know why. 
because um, she's unconnected to I, Father Marin. She's, I guess, maybe it's, it's like the Ghostbusters get... in New York City, man. It's just like there's the shit's yeah. popping. Maybe uh, it's all it's all about Zool, man. Pazuzu, Zool's got nothing on Pazuzu. Pazuzu <laughs> rolls into town. Watch the fuck out. Uh, but that's why yeah. that's I just got this general feeling of of haunting in the city, huh? I guess it's like that would like you know that makes the Nazi pig scene scene work because it shows this person who's like everyone thinks I guess is rational and he's acting out. But they're having the party in the house, so I would get that right. Like, that's the location. But his mom, Damien's mom, is never in the house, right? And also, like, why, like, okay, the Ouija board's a conduit for demons, granted, sure, mm-hmm. I'll buy that, <laughs> uh, but why this house in particular? Like, I felt like there, yeah. there, there maybe is a scene where, you know, Reagan found this weird idol at the beach or something, I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly, but there there were, but maybe that's part of the movie, they leave things intentionally mysterious, so it does feel like something that's that's kind of unfathomable or something that you don't really understand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can we talk about Max von Sydow in this movie? Uh, sure. When I saw him, I'm like, how the fuck old <laughs> is this guy? Because he looks like he's 80 years old, and I just saw him in like uh, most recently in uh, The Force Awakens, and he looks about <laughs> this fucking old. Uh-huh. This is one of the best makeup jobs I've ever seen. This man is 44 years old, and he looks like he's 74. Yeah, that's no, great. Like, in, in fact, other than um, some slight inconsistencies of his neck, in very bright desert conditions, I never would have imagined that he was a, 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 a basically a guy in the prime of his life made up to look like an old man. Yeah, and I I think that there were some working relationships here that caused them to cast Max, mm-hmm. whereas I, I wouldn't see any reason why you wouldn't just cast an older actor. Right. Uh, unless you thought maybe the physicality would literally kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't think there was that much physical not for that character. Yeah, no. there wasn't in this particular iteration. There wasn't that much physicality. No, and there was a couple points where, like, when they showed him transitioning from the archaeology scene to back to real life, where I thought his makeup was a little bit dodgier. But I thought they were suggesting that he was getting sicker, like that yeah. he was having some kind of uh, uh, some kind of actual reaction to being this close to the demon's presence mm-hmm. like he it seemed like his eyes got a little bit more sunken his hair was a little bit more flax and wan and <laughs> I, I i i don't know did that well i got the impression that it was the battle with the the first battle with the demon that he did years ago uh-huh. that essentially put him in ill health huh. um and it might be the cause of him taking the pills and or needing the pills i suppose um yeah so to meet it again i imagine it would have some pretty profound effects on him Right, right. What else we got to talk about? Uh, I got just a lot of really dumb, dumb stuff. Like, actually, you talked about the trick with the holy water, right? How uh-huh. he sprayed tap water. Oh, I got some dumb on... stuff to talk about, too. Okay, cool. Um, so this trick with the holy water, what would make you think that a demon, if you sprayed it with tap water, would not be able to trick you into thinking that it thought it was holy water, therefore, thereby avoiding an exorcism? Like, I I don't understand like why you would think that the demon. Oh, that's actually try great because that was one of the things I had as a question mark of like, well, if this was tap water, then why did the demon? Maybe as a know, show, like it could to, have it to avoid an exorcism, like, right? Right. Fall for the bait intentionally, you know? Yeah, because that's the other thing is like it turns out if you there's a manual called I don't know what the Latin version, but it's essentially called like. The Roman rituals or something. It's a handbook that Catholic priests have, and it talks about here's the last rites, here's what you do at baptism, here's what you do at a wedding. Like There's all these different sacraments and, and, and rituals that you do, and one of them is the ritual of exorcism, and it's all like laid out. Like, here are the three things you look for to identify. I'm like... Well, demons can read. <laughs> now there's an illiter- illiteracy test to be a demon. <laughs> so, man, that's why they're so mad. They're just fucking ignorant. Yeah. Um, but I... That's like you know, demons can read. So like, if I was a if I was a demon trying to lay in the cut that is Earth and avoid getting sent back to hell or Tartarus or whatever, I don't want to be sent back to. Why wouldn't I just wait till the priests show up to investigate and 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 give them what they think what they need to think that this is just a regular old mental illness or a yeah one flew over the cuckoo's nest type situation. Yeah, and that's. So once you once they've discovered the demon, I get it. They have some power over it. But yeah, until they start doing all all of the stuff that would prove it, right? Um, well, why? 
yeah, why not just fake it? Yeah. Get them out of the room and then continue to terrorize. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, like, I was we're, since we're talking about just just wander, mental mental thoughts. I had this feeling when like Max von Sydow had f- discovered this uh, giant penis having demon statue. Like, I kind of wish there were things like that in real life. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Like, you could find this like in this e- this this statue imbued with evil and like spit in its face and start a fucking adventure. Start an adventure with co- <laughs> like like God. like like you know there, I can't an go adventure? to a place on Earth and 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 attain a battle of cosmic significance. It's true. I mean, the best That's I can true. do is just find some shitbag politician and punch him in the face. It's not the same thing. No, like, like you know that the, the stakes of that don't go the, aren't going to go outside my 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 local my local area, let alone the fucking cosmos. Yeah. yeah, they say they say real life is stranger than fiction. I don't believe it. Yeah, I mean, people think that's like. Like like I it's like oh that's, that's such a terrifying but I don't know it's also kind of cool <laughs> like you know if like like you know do you have a death wish sure well I mean it's like you, do do you want to live in the in the regular world or do you want to live in a world of dragons in it like hmm. dragon world is definitely more dangerous but also pretty exciting it's true what if pretty you could, exciting what if you could tame one mm. I don't know tame a demon and ride it through just, the skies just chisel its dick off and put uh-huh. it above your mantelpiece what are you gonna i mean what are you gonna oh you're gonna you, give me demon. you're gonna possess still got your dick it's on my mantelpiece <laughs> have fun getting it back to iraq uh-huh it's gonna take you centuries if not millennia of careful manipulation of humans to get that <laughs> to get like well you know it's like this guy for a thousand years and i've got a work order why am i bondo why am i why am i epoxying this dick back on the statue there's got to be other things you know yep i, I think that's uh that, that'd be fun uh, so I, I made that stupid joke about the illiteracy test, but that scene was rather hilarious to me where she's on the phone, like trying to get her ex to answer, I guess, like Reagan's dad to answer the phone or get passed to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's on the line for 20 minutes and she is just fucking ranting and mm-hmm. raving over this 20 minutes. Right. I'm like, lady, that is a phone call to AT&T nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not prepared to wait 20 minutes, you might as well not even call. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny, too. Yeah. yeah just, just how bent out of shape she was about... And it's funny because my wife, I was watching this with her on Saturday uh, Saturday evening and, you know, she's a customer service manager now. And yeah. this was like, you know, like she's just like, just shut the fuck up. It's not this person's fault. You know, she's like getting getting animated about it. You know, because, uh, yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, just take it down a couple notches. Like, I guess that is probably like Ma Bell long distance charges. Right. Back in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she's probably Those didn't go away until the, the mid to late 90s, honestly. Yeah. I remember having to pay, you know fucking absorb it like if we want to call call uncle nick down in texas we gotta watch it because it's going to be a 30 minute phone call yep that's less than my i mean that's more than my i think the phone part of my cell phone bill now period yeah. and that's a space age technology that james t kirk would would envy mm-hmm. uh i thought it was funny that the cop loves to talk film he loves to critique it he's essentially doing what we're doing yeah no i thought that was pretty cool too and I guess there was... Like, Lieutenant Kinderman should be the patron saint of Bald Move. <laughs> so I, I think there's a director's cut of this that's, like, 20 minutes I, longer. You know, I almost watched it, but I, I searched for, like, what is the definitive take, and everyone says that the extended version is shit compared to the original. Yeah, so I, 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 I read want... um, Ebert's review of the extended version, too. He didn't like it. He he thought one of the changes made uh, was useful and made sense, and then the rest of them kind of sucked. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the movie, I guess that guy shows back up and has a conversation with uh, Damien's but priest buddy. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the his guy who gave him the last rites. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, has a conversation with him as he's like kind of looking down the stairs where his friend died, uh, and it's just a mundane thing about movies. Huh. So I don't I don't know what that adds to the end of the film, but that's apparently a thing they did. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, William Friedkin, who is the director of this movie, also two years before uh, The Exorcist made The French Connection, Hmm. um, which is another film that I've heard. Like, that's that's one that I have not seen, but I've I've heard spoken highly of, like, you know, by no less a personage than uh, than Hank Schrader likes that film. Um, So it makes sense that, like, you know, he would have this character that's like a film buff. Mm hmm. 
um, out of kind of nowhere with no, with nothing to do with anything. But I, I yeah. enjoyed that. Is it, but it's also like a kind of bizarre. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this film that does seem like it's just there to confuse or keep you off off kilter. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, uh, pr- pretty smart to do. Yeah, it's almost like the the whole movie wants to do that, and it does it even with the narrative, right? Like even with the way it cuts between scenes. There, there's no, there, there. A lot of the times when when time will pass, the transition will be such that you will understand that. Right. And I don't feel like this movie really did much of that. Yeah. And, and I don't know if that was an intentional or if that's just 1973 filmmaking, uh, but it definitely had an effect on me watching the movie. Yeah, I also was surprised at how restrained the soundtrack was on the film because, like, other than mm-hmm. a couple of notable moments, like the f- beginning of the movie is yeah. like a sonic assault on you. Yeah, with very little dialogue, it's mostly right, soundtrack. Right, right, right. When yeah. you're just seeing Marin's interactions with these art, these these evil artifacts. But like, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess that's a hallmark now to think about it, like James Wan stuff too. Is that the the sound is used very deliberately and carefully? It's not wall to wall, just like creepy ambient music all the time. Um, and there was, I, I felt like that there was a lot of just just silence, which I find is more effective than. You know, yeah. minor chords hammering underneath every single thing, or some strings coming in, some right? Like really high strings, <laughs> yeah, the whatever. Right, and th- this movie didn't do much, if any, jump scares. I'm trying to remember even a single jump scare in this movie. I think maybe when they show the demon's face, that might be almost considered but, a jump I, and scare. I, I, I don't even. Yeah, I think it's more of like a pseudo subliminal thing because yeah, you, yeah. you recognize it. And I, I thought it was like a skull. So I rewound it and saw it, and it's and and uh, I guess what it actually was is test footage for the demon makeup for that they were usually going to use for Reagan, and they thought mm-hmm. it looked like creepy against a stark background. So they're just like, oh, just fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, just drop it in for a couple frames. I want to say I've seen the director's cut of this because in the director's cut, there's also a scene of Reagan doing like this backwards crab walk yeah the like, spider on walk the ceiling I've or seen whatever. That, yeah and i've seen that and i remember a, another shot of the demon that's like much more close up and mm. maybe cued with a big string hit or something mm. but i can't remember exactly how it happens but i think i've seen the director's cut the spider walk's one thing i i kind of wish they could have fit into the movie because i have seen that like on youtube i forget or maybe it was um Oh, wasn't it? Uh, what was I? God damn it! I know I've learned this a million times with people, but there's this uh, hundred most scary movies thing that uh, I think the Sci-Fi Channel used to run, or something along those lines, hmm. where every hour is like another ten films, and they did the the you know, I, the Exorcist is one in the top ten, but yeah. they did. I think they showed on that like the the cut Spider Walk, and it is a very creepy. You know, especially for the time, yeah. Because that's the other thing is like the we've talked about the special effects and how like first of all they're pretty minimal, mm-hmm. like the medical stuff was uh, pr- pretty horrific. But uh, uh, I guess they built a full life sized articulated puppet that looks just like Linda Blair in her makeup, so they could do the things like twisting her head and doing some of the unnatural contortions huh. she's doing. Uh huh. Um, and it like those scenes. It's you know her makeup's not by modern standards anything to the the to like you know rate like like to be blown away by. I mean Max Fansato's sure. old maid makeup is the thing that's like really amazing, but it does do the purpose of hiding the transitions between them using that puppet and actually using Linda Blair to mm-hmm. where you really can't tell. It's mm-hmm. it's very tough to tell which one is which. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think what's the most. I mean, honestly, the scene with the crucifix was probably the the thing <laughs> where I was just like, "What the fuck am I?" Saying? That and the uh, where they they insert the wire into her brain. Those mm-hmm. were both kind of like, Whew, "Wow, <laughs> what am I what what am I watching here?" For the second time in as many weeks, I've seen just a vicious ball grab. Uh, there's another one in this movie. We just watched the beat that my heart skipped, mm-hmm. uh, which is maybe the most intense ball grab I've ever seen. This one is sure. second to that, certainly, but. Uh, I don't know. There's, there seems to be a repeating theme. If anybody else has a commission uh, that they want to do that specifically involves ball grabs, we'll open commissions back up. Really? Just for ball grabs? Yeah. Famous yeah. ball grabs in history? Uh-huh. Oh, man. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> I don't know if I can take it. Yeah, there was a pretty vicious uh, demo- d- d- demon strength enhanced ball grab in this. Yep. <laughs> uh, what else? You said you got a bunch of other just ridiculous stuff. I'm in the mood for it. Uh, that was pretty ridiculous, I thought. But the So this movie... 
has to be the inspiration for one of my favorite all-time horror series, which is The Evil Dead. Because oh, the, really? the makeup is so similar. The effects work with like the pea soup shooting on people is very reminiscent of what Sam Raimi does in those movies with blood and many other fluids. And similarly, it's all about demon possession. But like Raimi's famous for like not telling his actors fully what they're he's about to do to them before he does it to them. And uh, I guess the f- guy that played Karis they he's supposed to like sh- they, he said that they're going to shoot the pea soup on his chest <laughs> oh, no. and they shot him right in the face right in and his mouth, mouth. Yeah. and like Ugh. that that kind of like disgusted horrified reaction is um it's genuine i, I mean I, I feel like people are getting away with that less and less because there's whole thing yeah. about like you know you can't like as much as you want to get the uh you know the reaction of a guy who actually thinks, "Oh shit, this stunt's gone wrong. I'm falling to my death." Like uh, Alan Rickman in <laughs> right. uh, the Die first Hard. Die Hard. Like it's not exactly ethical to fuck with the like. The, no, the, the, and if that's what you want, you don't need to hire actors. Right, just hire regular people and scare them half to death. Right. Yeah, it does. Like it is this weird. If I was an actor. I would be kind of insulted that this person thinks Absolutely. that they can't get the performance without like tricking me. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, it's, it's a technique that a lot of directors, certainly of that era, were using. It. It's just such a weird relationship between a director and actor. That yeah. like the director, like I will lie and cheat and physically abuse you to get. You are just a fucking instrument. <laughs> and then you and if got... I'm Jimi Hendrix and I want to light you on fire just to see what you sound like, well uh-huh. then fuck it, I'm going to do it. And what are you going to do to stop me? And then there's like the counter example. Have you seen the documentary Andy and Me? With, I have with not Jim yet. Carrey no, doing no, no. his Andy it's Kaufman on my list. Yeah, on the set, he he just turned into those characters. He would never fucking stop. Right, and he was antagonizing everybody. When right. he was Tony Clifton, he was just the massive asshole to everyone. Yeah. The director didn't know how to handle him. Like couldn't couldn't manage him. Right, and in that case, you've got the reverse, which is the actor just totally fucking with the director. Right. Yeah, I wonder what. Uh... I wonder what the deal with that is because, like Jared Leto, you know, I've. I've, I've <laughs> You hear all kinds of things about the method acting, which is what we're talking about. And, yeah. like, Jared Leto got so into it that he was, like, essentially harassing his co-stars on Suicide Squad being the Joker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It is, like, on the one hand, I see Damon, uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis employ the method acting to just what, what seems like brilliant effect. And I never heard anyone be like, yeah, and also... Uh, he'd scout me in real life because he just wanted to see what it was like. <laughs> right. Uh, like, there's, there's got to be a way to do that without, like, antagonizing other people. The same thing with directors. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can... I don't know what you would do. Try to think if you, you wanted to be... Just ask them to do their job, man. Right. That's or what they're there for. Or say, like, hey, we're going to drop you on, like, at some point in your rigging... Uh, like six feet and just uh-huh. to see what you did get a natural reaction of you is that like add that okay and now you're already spoiling the experiment a little bit but i still think you know like i i'm of the opinion that you can know that a drop's coming and it's still going to get a visceral reaction out of you if you I actually experience so. the thing like there's ways you could probably do that without like terrorizing your cast and crew and here poor linda blair and ellen burston apparently have got lifelong disabilities because of the shit that right. was pulled so yeah, yeah. I don't know. What else you got for me, man? Uh, that's about it. Okay. Uh, well, again, uh, Stephen, I am certainly sorry that we stole your thunder on Home Alone. I wish we had incorporated your your notes uh, on that into that because you had you had a lot of good stuff on there. On the other hand, uh, I hope you can see the bright side of essentially getting a twofer deal mm-hmm. here. Uh, and thanks for making me watch uh, The Exorcist because I probably never would have watched it. I would have just dismissed like. Huh. Why do I need to? It was one of those things, like, it was a sensation for its time, but it's it's not particularly good. It's, uh, you know, like, something that's more, sen- uh, what is that? Uh, not sensational, but... Uh, um, Nostalgic? Uh, no, what's that the word where it's, like... It, classic? It, it's, it's uh, maybe it is sensational. Like, something that's just is there to provide, it's not, not provocative, it's... What is this word that I'm groping for? <laughs> exploitive, exploitative. Okay, yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I just thought it would be something like that that never. I, but it turns out it's a very, very good film. Yeah. Um, and like, it's right up there, I guess, with The Shining. As far as the, I don't know how scary the film is, but like for something that evokes a certain type of feeling and a certain look and a, and a certain emotional state from the audience. 
um it's 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 hard to because that's the thing as much as like the conjuring and conjuring 2 they're not particularly great films sure they're well-constructed horror films. they're well-constructed horror films that do the thing they're setting out to do in very unique and creative and inventive ways but right. they're not on like a godfather level or anything like this whereas this these these films like this the, the shining and this film approaches that where it's like yeah. it's they it's, approach art yeah as opposed to craft yeah achieve art on, yeah. Uh, honestly so i admit i probably never would have seen it had it not been for the the, the suggestion here from Stephen from florida so thanks again uh and again uh, a thousand apologies for the, the fuck up with home alone uh if you would like to commission your very own podcast you can't because <laughs> we still are way far behind in our queue and we are still in catch-up mode uh, stay tuned for announcements for what we our plans are for the commission feature in the future. Uh, but we will be back with the next one in due time. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.